Have you ever stopped serving because you feel like you're not appreciated at your church? Pastor Ed Taylor shares these thoughts. Well, I can't serve because nobody's going to know. Well, good. That's actually better. You want to find a ministry where nobody knows because to whom much is given, much is required. Well, there's a lot of value to serving and having in your mind, I just serve unto the Lord. And it's not that we're in an environment here either that we purposely avoid saying thank you. I, I hope that the ministry leaders and everybody is appreciative of ministry, but don't serve for the appreciation. Serve because you love Jesus. He saved your life. You owe him everything. And serve because you desire to, to be as radically crazy for the things of God as you were radically crazy for the things of this world. This is amazing grace. Whether it's teaching a Sunday school class for years and never having a single person show any appreciation whatsoever, or you're serving in the sound ministry and very few really know you're doing it faithfully, it's common for the Christian to feel underappreciated in their service of the Lord. But what will keep you going and how can you remain faithful to God in that difficult place? Let's talk about that today on Abounding Grace. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1, Pastor Ed Taylor will key in on the description Paul gives of being a servant and a steward. That's exactly what we're to be as followers of God. Paul, he'll turn his attention now. He's had a couple chapters of difficult things to say, but now he's going to turn his attention back on himself. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God lest they think he's giving, being heavy-handed or trying to be better than them. Or, he says, just consider. You want to have a consideration toward me and my role as an apostle, my role of leadership, then consider it this way. We're just servants and stewards. You can circle that word servant because in the original language, it, it has a deep meaning. It referred to the under-rower. You might have heard that phrase before. I have it written down right here in my Bible, under-rower, just to remind myself. It literally means a servant, an attendant. The picture is that of the lowest slave on a ship down in the galley, on the lowest deck of the ship, who simply rowed. The whole progress and movement of that ship was because of this servant, this under rower. And all he did was row to the beat of the drum. Nobody knew about him. Nobody knew his name. Nobody went down to appreciate him. Nobody, he just That's all he did. That was his role. And he did it because he had to. He was the unseen servant down in the galley where the people who worked the hardest were, laboring faithfully, out of sight, out of mind. They had no choice. But as that word refers to you and I, it has even deeper meaning. Because you and I, as we become, we choose to be an under-roar, then we do it not because we have to, but we do it because we want to. And that's a big difference. That here you are, you're uh, on the Princess Cruise, and you're at your job interview, and you can either be the cruise director, or you can go work in the engine room. 
And because of your love for the owner of the ship or whatever, because of your love, you say, take me to the engine room. I don't want to be known, but I know how important that role is. Think of it in the terms of the church, your relationship to Jesus. Just, Jesus, tell me what to do, and I'm there. I'm ready. The problem is, is that too many times there's the example that has been given in and among believers is that too many people serve for the wrong reasons. They're involved in Christian ministry or Christian service for all sorts of different emotions and motives in their lives. They're not, they're not wanting to be unrecognized. They want to be recognized. They want to be known. They want to be applauded. Some of the biggest stumblings among people in the church is when they do something and expect some human being to thank them. And when some human being, whether it be me or someone else, I mean, I, I can tell you I don't have the ability to thank every single person individually for all the things that you do for Jesus. I don't have the ability. I mean, just in our church, we, we surpassed that long time ago in the amount of ministry that goes forth. That's why Jesus made it really clear that when you do your charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do it under the Lord. And do it in such a way where you recognize that your Father, he'll reward you openly. Don't do, it, don't do it so you can be applauded and recognized. You know, there are some people in our congregation that are very instrumental in a lot of the details of putting things together and, and giving when there's a great need. And, I mean, huge sums of money. Because money's needed in the ministry to move forward, whatever we might be doing. But you'll notice that there's nowhere in the building any plaque recognizing that. There, there isn't. There, there isn't plaques on the chairs or um, thank you so-and-so in the family. And it, 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 we, we don't want any attention to go to man. And, and we don't want, I don't want to be responsible for somehow inflating pride in your life. If you give, you give here, then you give unto the Lord. You don't give to Ed. You don't give to the leadership. You don't give to the board. You don't give to elders. You give unto the Lord. Because the opposite is true, too. If you choose not to give, you choose not to serve, you think, well, you know, I'm mad at you, Ed. I will never serve here. Don't serve here. It's not going to break my heart, but it is going to break the heart of God. You're not serving for me. You're not, you, you can't. If, if you are, I'll just let you know you, you can't do that because you're going to find yourself in a place where you, now you're just serving man. You're just serving for ulterior motives. You're serving to be seen. The only true motivation for servanthood is, is love. And although I get bummed out when I hear stories like that where, you know, I'm not going to serve because I got hurt. Well, man, you got hurt. You're going to be the perfect candidate to become even a better servant because you're going to grow through it, you're going to get stronger through it, and then you're going to help other people go through it. Well, I'm not going to serve around because I'm going through trouble at home. Okay, get things right at home because then it's going to make you stronger to serve so you can help other people that are having problems at home. Well, I can't serve because nobody's going to know. Well, good. That's actually better. You want to find a ministry where nobody knows. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And there's some value to, well, there's a lot of value to serving and having in your mind, I just serve unto the Lord. And it's not that we're in an environment here either that we purposely avoid saying thank you. I, I hope that the ministry leaders and everybody is appreciative of ministry. But don't serve for the appreciation. Serve because you love Jesus. He saved your life. You owe him everything. And serve because you desire to, to, to be as radically crazy for the things of God as you were radically crazy for the things of this world. That's a place of radical servanthood. When you were sold out to the things of this world, man. I mean, 
it, we, there was no talking you out of it. But now that you're a Christian, don't just, you know, become a little church mouse, you know, hiding behind a... I mean, get crazy for the things of God like you were in the world. I'd like to see that. So you don't want to see it. No, because you're not a knucklehead in the world anymore. You're a redeemed sinner. You've been redeemed. You're different now. What happened to the passion? Be passionate. Go for it. Let people just look at you and be convicted, not because of what you say, but because of how you serve and love Jesus. They go, whoa, that's amazing. That's wonderful. And when Paul says to consider as servants, I don't want you to miss this. He doesn't say, so let us consider us as super-duper leaders that are untouchable and separate from the flock. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, let us just consider. When you're thinking of Paul the Apostle, I want you to consider that I am Paul the Celebrity Apostle. I've got a few letters under my belt. Epistles. I might write you guys another one if you're nice. And he doesn't say celebrities. He doesn't say professionals. What great damage has been done to the church? And we'll see that in the rest of chapter 4. But what great damage has been done to the church of Jesus Christ with the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? You go, Ed, what is that? Well, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was the early version of the separation between the priesthood and the laity. Where the priesthood and the, the people in leadership were way over here and up here, and the laity, well, you're just the laity. And we'll read the Bible for you, and we'll tell you what to do. You just do what we tell you to do. What great damage that's done to families and to lives. However, they turned a corner and said, just listen to me instead of listening to the Holy Spirit. And so he says, consider us servants. As we serve you here in leadership in this church, we are not here to take control of you, to make all your decisions for you, to boss you around, to lord over you, as Peter would say. The only role that spiritual leadership has in this church, and in my understanding of the scriptures, any true church, the only role is to serve you, to serve And when we're done doing that, we should serve some more. That's the role of the leader. Right? It's the exact opposite of the way the world. The world says the farther you go up, the less you really have to do. The Bible says the more you progress in the ways of the Lord, the more faithful you are, the more he rewards faithfulness. And you serve and you serve and you serve and you serve because Jesus is the best at giving appreciation to you and to me. And when you're tired of serving, it's time to serve some more. And I don't mean to burning out and ruining your life and throwing your family to the side. That's not what I'm saying. But the true path in following Jesus is the path of the servant. And he knew when to get away. He knew when to seek the Father. He knew when to pour. He knew. Like when he was getting away early in the morning, he was no less a servant than when he was out teaching. But he realized that in order to have a fruitful life and serving, he needed to be refilled and refreshed so that he could be strong again, to have his tank filled up spiritually because he was perfectly human. Remember, Jesus was God in human flesh. And so in his humanity, he becomes an example to us where we need to get away and be refreshed. And he didn't just say, he didn't serve for a year and then take six months off. He served, then he got away. He served, then he got away. His regular life was spending time with the Father. He'd pour out, and then he'd spend time with the Father. And so leadership here, I mean, we're here to serve. We're not here to lord over you or take advantage of you. Or, that's, not our, that's not why we exist. 
It's to get you closer to Jesus because the closer you are there, the more fruitful you'll be, the, the better your life will be. And you could test everything by what the Word of God says and let it speak to you directly. And it's great and it's appropriate for those who serve Jesus. It's a great title. I was just thinking about doing that on all the offices. You know, instead of pastor, pastor, just servant. It's what we are. We're not pastors now behind closed doors who never come out of our office until service time. We're servants. And a lot of times the offices should be empty. We should be serving the Lord, serving the people. It's important for us to learn that. We're not only servants, but also notice stewards. We don't use that word much anymore, but stewards is, is a, you could, you could think of it as like a manager. We're stewards of the mystery of God, that word of God, the mysteries, the understanding, the truth of God. We're stewards. A steward was a faithful, trustworthy man who owned nothing of his masters, but controlled everything. A man put in great trust. He didn't own any of the things that he controlled, but he was fully responsible for them. It's a great picture of us as believers. We own nothing, but we're responsible for everything. And the role of the faithful teacher, the faithful leader, the faithful servant is to reveal and teach the Bible in such a way that you walk away understanding it, grasping it, not only what it means, but how it looks in your life. The faithful servant in the church gives the interpretation of the test. This is what it says. This is what it means, and this is what it looks like now in your life, where you handle the Word of God in such a way where you're able to give not only the what of the Word, but also the how. And you, want, you don't want to be imbalanced on either one. You don't want to be imbalanced where you're so smart in the Word where you can, you're able to tell everybody the what, but you're not able to tell them how. You're not able to give them direction in their life specifically. Spiritually inspired, like you, you get to know people and then you say, this is how it looks in your life. This is what it looks like. And then you don't want to be on the other side where you're just always giving directions, directions, but you're never having them based in the word. Like, what does the Bible say about that? I don't know. Just go do this. No, that's not healthy either. You want, you want to have a balance between understanding the word and there. The, the reality that we live in, really, as Paul is writing to them, just it was happening in the church in Corinth, is we've got, we've got a, we live in a time period where there are many malnourished Christians, spiritually, simply because ministers or those in the role of leadership substitute the truth with junk food, just cotton candy, which tastes good, but if you have too much of it, it gets you sick. It's not what your body needs, a constant dose of sugar constantly, but you need a well-balanced spiritual meal. And you need to know that that's, how I, that's what I devote my life to. That's what I've been called to do, to study the Word of God, to create a well-balanced spiritual meal. And that I understand the value, as we learn in the book of Acts, where the apostles say, look, we've got to spend some time studying and praying. And the, the ministry of taking care of the table is... We would love to do it, but it's going to take us away from what God has called us to do. So let's find some able men to help. 
even today, you know, Wednesday normally is a busy day for me. We start out with leadership development and discipleship at 7 in the morning and then a staff meeting from about 8 to 9.30. And I basically meet with as many people as I can until it's time to go home, pick up the family, and come right back to church. It's a long day. But last night as I was praying and just getting back from out of town, I'm, I'm like, you know, I can't go in tomorrow. I've got to study. And so I just sent a little text and say, you guys are going to have to get along without me. And just go for it and seek the Lord because I've got to stay home. I've got to stay back, which I spent my entire day today until, um, you know, later in the afternoon, just praying and studying and preparing and getting ready. And I appreciate the value that you place on the word of God. And I also appreciate the freedom and flexibility you have with me as a pastor, just recognizing, hey, you know what? Ed is surrounded by godly men and women. And if I'm not able to meet with Ed or speak to Ed, I know that one of the guys, I know one of the gals is going to be able to to give me the kind of counsel that I need to live in the Lord. Instead of thinking, like some have been trained to think, that it's only the pastor guy that can only give solid biblical direction. It's so not true. As a matter of fact, there are some people on our staff and some people that are lay leaders that work hard all day full time. and And then they spend time counseling. They're far better at counseling than I can be at times because I've shared this before you know when I think of when I think of counseling it's it's 15 minutes tell me what's wrong here's what the word of God says God bless you and I try to do it in a loving way and and be open but I'm one of those one session dudes this is what the word of God says well you don't understand no I understand this is what it says do you believe it oh I believe it well if you believed it you wouldn't be in the mess that you're in right now well, I don't like you, Ed. I will go with you and the other guys. <laughs> of course, it's not that harsh, but think about it. What counsel have you ever received in your entire life that when you boil it down, wasn't some simple thing? Seriously. It's like, I know that the symptoms of life get so crazy. You know, you come in with some deep marital issues, and 15 minutes obviously isn't going to help wade through the years and years of destruction. So don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm giving you the, 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 the understanding. I'll spend more than 15 minutes with you and so with some of the people, although some of you it'll be 10 minutes, and that's it. You know, the Lord will get you. Because that's what the purpose is. You're not coming in to argue with the pastor. You're coming in to get direction. You're coming to get help. You're coming to get... Well, you're coming to get closer to Jesus. And counseling is a two-way street. You realize that, right? It's not just what is said. It's what are you going to do? You, you know, marriage counseling, you could just, you know, you talk to the husband. Well, why don't you just be kind to your wife? I can't do that. Okay. Okay, you're the only exception to the Bible then, I guess. Don't do it. Well, I can't. Well, that's a perfect opportunity for God to show up. The I can'ts. Right? Because with men, things are... Impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. And even the years that have built up to where you are, God can erase and bring freshness. He can bring beauty from ashes. If you give him something to work with, you can't be like the picture of the, the clay on the potter's wheel. The clay doesn't run away. It just sits there. Saying, God, do whatever you got to do in me. Ow. Yeah. Did you really have to do? Yes, I had to do that. Just sit there. And the wheel spins and the wheel spins and the wheel spins. And, and that's kind of like your life and the situations of life. 
Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you wonder why things are spinning in your life. Because God's trying to get your attention. He's trying to open your eyes to the reality of his presence and of, his, of the reality of, you know, he is reality. Everything you see here is a facade in this world. God is reality. And he's wanting to open up your eyes to the reality of that distance, how far you really are from God. How far? And it's every day, it's not, you're not getting closer. And God, he loves you so much, he's not going to just let you run away. He's going to pursue you passionately. And the mysteries of God need to be opened up, and we need to spend time. The Bible says in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, that the days are coming, says the Lord, that I'll send a famine on the land, a famine of bread, not a famine of bread, not of thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. I think we're in those days. And we need to be users of the word, taking it in, soaking it in. And really, a lot of the malnourishment that comes in our lives is just the simply lacking, the lack of putting into practice what we hear. Never confuse hearing a Bible study with obeying God. Like, sort of like a connoisseur of Bible studies. There'll be times when you leave a Bible study and, and you know the Lord's dealing with your heart. And he goes, well, I, you know, I didn't, really, I didn't really like that Bible study. Really, I didn't know it was for you, like for you to like. I thought somebody teaching the Bible was to teach unto the Lord. I, I thought the only one that really matters is God being happy with his word being going forth. But no, we've been conditioned. I don't like that movie. I don't like that food. I don't like that church. Well, look how far you are. Look how far I can get. I don't like that Bible study. Probably because the Bible study hit you right between the eyes. There's that old proverb, right? You throw a rock into a pack of dogs. Do you know the one that yelps is the one that got hit? It's true. And so with a church that has servants and stewards, focusing on keeping you nourished in the Word of God, you receive the Word of God and then you act on it. That's the path of blessing. Pastor Ed Taylor revealing the path of blessing that comes through obedience to God's Word. And this is Abounding Grace. We just listened into a portion of a study in 1 Corinthians 4. It's called Serving as an Under Rower. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Well, Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, you showed us that we're to be a steward and a servant. And I couldn't help but think of a book you've written on that subject. It's called Ordinary Servant. How might this be of some help to our listeners' lives? Well, thanks, Larry, for mentioning that. You know, a few years ago, we put together a series of Bible studies that I believe were really relevant and important for our fellowship family to listen to and learn how to be better servants in the Master's hands. You know, the greatest thing that we get to do, uh, second to sharing the gospel, is serving Jesus with the gifts and talents that he's given to us. And all of us want to serve well, and I believe all of us want to improve in our serving. And so we took those Bible studies and we edited them into a book format and called it Ordinary Servant with the sole purpose of equipping and encouraging men and women, boys and girls, to grow in their heart to serve Jesus Christ with a basis of grace and not works. And our heart is to to teach and to 
grow men and women in their understanding of the joys of serving Jesus. And even as I'm sharing this with you right now, Larry, we're working on a kid's version, a kid's version coloring book to help kids understand at a very young age that God indwells them, lives inside of them, and wants to use them. So I think this is a great book for anyone that just simply wants to improve in their service to the Master with our lives, you know, and that's, it's so different than the world's way of doing things, because the way up in God's kingdom is down into that place of servanthood and surrender. So pick it up. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy of Ordinary Servant by Pastor Ed Taylor, give us a call right now at 877-30-GRACE. We've picked out a wonderful book by A.W. Tozer this month that we think you'll benefit from. It's The Pursuit of God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and it's something every believer can experience, not just a select few. In this book, Tozer uses examples from Scripture and from the lives of Christians who have lived with a thirst for God to show us the path to a closer walk with the Lord. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of The Pursuit of God. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make your request and donation online at calvaryco.church. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.